Our first lesson is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, beginning at verse 12, page 1134 in your pew Bibles. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 12, on page 1134. This is part of a section entitled Life Through the Spirit. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, We wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, in accordance with God's will. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And the second reading is from John chapter 19. No, sorry, John chapter 20. Panic, panic, Rachel. Um, John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23, and it's page 1089. John chapter 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, 
When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Rachel. Good evening. Our daughter Emily is 20 in about three weeks' time. (laughs) I wondered what you're all laughing at. (laughs) Okay. So two years ago, in September 2013, we dropped her off at university for the first time. On the way, Mike and I were in the car with her. On the way, we were given strict instructions about how we were to behave when we got there. Okay, we were not to get out of the car, as she would go in and find out where to go. Mike was not to laugh loudly. I was not to chat with all the other students, finding out anything about them at all. So with our instructions clearly ringing in our minds, we pulled up outside the main entrance to her college at York University. Get out of the car, Mum. What? I thought you said, just get out of the car, Mum, with me. Mum, with me. Okay, okay, I'm getting out. Come in with me, Mum. And so I went in with Emily to register her arrival and find out where her room was. You see, however much she was prepared and ready for life beyond home, and she was ready, when it came to it, She needed some help and encouragement. And anyway, we aren't made to do life on our own, are we? We're made to do it in relationship, in relationship with God and in relationship with each other. So at the point that we enter the gospel story this evening, the disciples have spent three years with Jesus on an incredible journey. They've been called away from the lives they knew to join with him on a roller coaster ride of traveling, teaching, miracles, rejection, friendship, prayer, confusion, trust, faith, arrest, torture, and death. They are fearful at the point that we read about this evening and come together in a room where they lock the doors for fear of the Jews. Now, my understanding is that generally in John's Gospel, he uses the term Jews to refer to the Jewish leaders who are hostile to Jesus. And into this fear comes Jesus himself, risen from the dead. 
and he offers the usual Hebrew greeting, peace be with you. He begins with the recognizable and the familiar. Back in chapter 14, if you just turn in your Bibles to chapter 14, John chapter 14, it's on page 1083, it says this in verses uh, 25 to 27, all this I had, this was before he died, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. So he offers them peace then as a gift and says to them at that point, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And now here he is among them, among them again after his death, offering peace again into the fear and the confusion that they are feeling. And the disciples are overjoyed. They are overjoyed. And then in chapter 20, Jesus says for a second time, peace be with you. It's as if the first greeting brings recognition and peace into the current situation and then the second greeting peace be with you offers peace and reassurance for the task he's about to give to the disciples peace for now peace for what is to come peace for now and peace for what is to come Jesus then tells the disciples that as God has sent him to the world, so he, Jesus, is now sending the disciples out into the world. Jesus breathes on them all at this point, and I think that probably means he literally went, Jesus breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. It's pretty much a command. Receive the Holy Spirit. You guys are going to need this, so receive it. The words breath, wind, and spirit are the same in both Greek and Hebrew, I'm given to understand. I've never studied Greek and Hebrew, but I can read commentaries on the New Testament. So I'm given to understand that it's the same word in both Greek and Hebrew. The breath of God comes to offer hope and a future within God's will and to undo the separation caused by the sin of rebellion against God. Right at the beginning of the world, when God creates us into being, his spirit hovers over the waters. Turn to Genesis chapter 1 with me. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 says this, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters right at the beginning of time. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, if you turn over the page, God creates human life 
and breathes the breath of life into Adam, who becomes a living being. So chapter 2, verse 7. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God's breath is life-giving and it is creative, and Jesus gives it to the disciples. Jesus then says something pretty incredible. Have a look at John chapter 20, verse 23. John chapter 20, verse 23. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. He tells the disciples that they now have the authority to offer forgiveness of sins. That is some authority he's giving. And anyway, isn't it only God who can forgive sins? Of course it's only God. But here's the thing. This is how the good news is going to be heard in the local area, further afield in other places and countries across the world, through the disciples. You need, this is like Jesus saying, you need the Holy Spirit because I'm asking you to do a big thing. And you need to do it in me, through me, and for me. And the Holy Spirit is going to enable it all to happen. It's as if, again, Jesus is saying, you've had the training, you've had a go with me, and now you are up to the big task, but with some help. In fact, if we think we can do it without the help of the Holy Spirit, we're deluding ourselves and we need a rather large portion of humble pie. So what relevance does this have for me today in South Sea? Well, to quote Tom Wright, how does the unique achievement of Jesus in one time and place affect all other times and places? How does the message Jesus preached and lived out which made sense to first century Palestine and then spread to the ends of the earth, down through the centuries, to people who aren't even waiting for a Messiah now, how does it make sense for all time? Well, there's a big difference between something being achieved and something being implemented. Think of our band this evening. The music has already been composed. It's been achieved already but the musicians have implemented it. Jesus has accomplished the defeat of death and begun a new creation. Remember the breath of life? The disciples don't need to do that again. They don't need to duplicate. They need to implement. So the disciples have just been given a mission to live out the new creation with the help of the Holy Spirit to all people everywhere. Remember earlier we sang, shout to the north and the south, to the east and the west. And that's how we know about it today, because this is exactly what people have done for centuries. They've lived out the message of new life, that is the gospel. And it's what we're doing and can do here in South Sea in 2015 and beyond. 
we too can be part of implementing the good news, the good news of Jesus defeating death and of his resurrection to a new life. Are we sufficient for this task? No, we're not, not on our own. But actually God doesn't ask us to do it on our own. Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathes the Holy Spirit into us. So back to that second-year student we began with. Emily grew up learning about and trying out Christian values and truth in the nitty-gritty of family life down here on the South Coast. Now in a new student culture in the North, she's implementing what she has learned. Her decisions, her friendships, her attitude to life's opportunities, her moral compass, her choices, are all founded upon our Christian family values. She's now implementing those values in a new culture and generation, and we offer our support and help. Will you receive the Holy Spirit this evening and continue to implement the gospel message of forgiveness to all who believe in Jesus? Will you also warn the world that retaining sin will mean living without the life of Christ? Will you bring peace? Will you offer Christ peace to a confused, muddled and often frightened world? If your answer is yes, then receive the Holy Spirit and be led by the Spirit as children of God and heirs to the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, we're not very good at silence at St. Jude's. And what we're going to do now is we're going to sit for five minutes, which will feel like a really long time. <laughs> Don't worry, it will come to an end. Just you and God. And just listen to the Holy Spirit within you. What is God asking of you? And then at the end of that time, the band will begin to sing a song, which you may stand or sit for when they start to play. So silence for a while.